Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love, and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. Third time's the charm, folks. What? What am I talking about? Uh, who am I? Where? Anyways, hey! <laughs> welcome to Starlight! Good to have you here. Honestly, this has been a crazy blast. And we are so happy to have you. I mean, come on. Clive Jensen is literally dying in his seat with... I don't know. What emotion is that? Excitement for my poem... Oh my gosh! Okay, quick oh, round, yeah. round, round table here. We got Sam playing. Clive Jensen. We got Nathan playing. Alice. And Courtney playing McKenna. And I hear that we have a a, a, a poem. Uh, we have a theme going here. <clears throat> he seems to have a secret, and maybe a regret. I wonder what he hides beneath the many tides. He seems friendly enough, but he's trying to be tough. I wonder if he understands what hides between those hands. Clive, the nice guy, might possibly be a lie. Mm-hmm. I'm working on one for the Dungeon Master for the next round, so we'll see if it's done by then. I like the secrets and mystery. There we go. And speaking of those, Let's get into it. <laughs> <clears throat> Neuralink, access memories. Accessing. Arriving at the Lonely Cord, the spacer set about finding information regarding the Sunmaker. Thanks to the tourist extraordinaire, Dr. Dwindle, Atlas gained a contact named Hillier with information regarding the Sunmaker. Hillier, a elf informant, agreed to give more relevant information in return for information pertaining to an annoying citizen named Saffron, or London. But he was able to confirm that the Sunmaker and the town's founder, Mr. Ackerm, are one and the same. Meanwhile, McKenna ran into a peculiar woman that drew her attention. Speaking with this older woman, acted, she learned six signs were coming that would tell the Sunmaker's return. Just as McKenna began to probe deeper, the windows around the bar burst as what appeared to be a technomanced undead clawed its way in and began to assault the patrons. Falling into combat, the spacers were successful in fending off the attack, but even in the triumph, it is apparent more is going on here than meets the eyes. Memories retrieved. The screen wipes up, and we find ourselves, the three of you, Clive, kind of in tatters, um, having just healed yourself uh, quite a bit using your nanobots and the technomancy. Getting real tired of this. McKenna, having set fire to the Lonely Cord, put it out uh, while also fighting the zombies, and Atlas, 
simultaneously intimidating those who are helping him and cleaving things in half. <clears throat> we left off with the owner of the establishment, Thyra, holding a Gatling gun, having just fired about 50-ish rounds just over and over again into this dead body until it's no longer even twitching. The crowd's gone quiet. She looks around at all those who helped and just says, Drinks in the house, boys and ladies. And she starts to head back to the bar and immediately just begins pouring drinks. Not even like she steps over her broken uh, servobots. She steps past those who are dead um, from the attack and just with the cold callousness just ignores all of it. Throws down the Gatling laser rifle onto the ground with a <laughs> and just starts pouring drinks. She doesn't. She's not even counting who she's pouring them for. Just starts pouring them. Takes a handful herself and then looks around at all of you and just pushes the drinks out. She just goes. Shit's getting real old. So it's getting real old. Uh, this is. Seems to be something that you've dealt with here before. I see that huge weapon stash in the back. What what the hell is going on here? She looks at you, raises an eyebrow, then kind of steps back and closes the door so you can no longer see the weapon stash. <sighs> well, I've never dealt with it this far up here. There's been incidents like this over in the Breaker's Ward and <clears throat> but never this far into the city. To be frank with you, Clive, I have no idea what the hell this is. This is something the militia put out as a concern. She takes another drink, and she says, Someone or something is having a fat laugh reprogramming dead bodies with technomancy to cause panic and ensue chaos upon the fair people here and on my trade. She looks around at the broken glass windows where the creatures busted through and she goes, and now I have to deal with this shit. I'd be happy to help you deal with this. Um, and I'm going to go around and start mending things. Oh, that's um, awesome. All around. Um, yeah. So as McKenna goes around, she starts raising her hands, using mending, warping the like uh, broken fragments, pulling them back, reconstituting them into place. And you're able to like make the windows whole again. Um, and you are able to fix some of like the tableware. You're not unfortunately able to bring anyone who's dead back to mm, life. Yeah. And uh <clears throat> Thyra is currently like having half a conversation with you guys while punching in codes to a, a data pad. And you catch that she's sending information to the militia to come to report what has happened. Uh her eyes kind of widen a little bit. She cocks her head and she goes What? She jumps over the bar, marches to the door, flings it open, and she looks 
you, all you can see is her in the silhouette in the doorway, uh, and she looks out across the platform the city's built on. And you're not able to hear what she says, but you just see as her hands kind of go to the top of her head, and she kind of rubs the locks of hair back. I'm going to go look out there with her. McKenna, when you go and you kind of like lumber under the door, you see many, many buildings on fire oh. and broken. I need you to make a perception check. Five. In the distance, you see like arcs of light just what looks like to be some sort of a firefight. And it's up northwardly towards the like where the breaker starts to turn into the into the mountains. And you also uh, just make out the general hubbub noises and stuff like that, but nothing more. I'm going to message into her mind, not even looking at her, but letting her know that this will all be taken care of. And that the Boonmaker is here. Can you make a charisma roll? Uh, 21. There is no reaction from her. More or less, you succeeded in not creeping her out. It's almost like almost like your whisper became a natural extension of her thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but her eyes are kind of glazed over before she kind of snaps out of it and uh, marches back in and she goes hey, you guys came in here looking for work didn't you I think I might have a job for you I think I know what the job is I'm assuming we're going to be helping to deal with this problem that you have on your hands now <laughs> oh very clever of you very very clever of you yes no, she goes, I watched the way that you dealt with those things. And at that time, she waves over the, the man with the big, the, the big bushy mustache man with the broadsword. And he kind of walks over in, in piecemealed archaic armor. And uh, she goes, Shantra, please prepare the back room. Uh, of course, boss. And he goes to the back, closes the door, and you guys just hear the whir of some motors. And eventually he comes out. Uh, you guys are kind of like, make small talk, because Thyra does not want to talk right now. Um, the most you get out of her is she's just like, fucking bugged. I don't I have business that, even given the circumstances, doesn't need to be out in the open. And when he opens the door... What you see is the wall, what was once a wall has been turned, and now you can see stairs that lead downward. Um, you can see weapons racked up against the like front end of the wall of the stairwell, and then like on the sides of the wall, almost like ornamental, kind of leading down these stairs. Thyra starts to lead you guys down to uh, another room, um, and she opens it and there's a smell that's kind of like just smells like man that has not had any deodorant or anything like that in quite some time. Musty. 
musty. Mm. Yes. There and there is a uh, desk that's been moved, looks like, into the center of the room. A single light illuminated. And Atlas, can you make a perception roll? Yeah. Three. Okay. Yep. You see um, more like notice just the soft sound of puddles being moved by your feet. Kind of look down and there's just various dark puddles all over the place but no signs of what might have caused them just dark red in color hmm. that's not a few ideas sorry excuse the mess uh, so you're out of town and you can also handle a weapon hmm. Well, now the town is burning. You came in here asking for inquiring about work. And my runner sent you. And he did quite a good job at that. So I would say you've passed your audition. Well done. Dwindle. So Dwindle. Dr. Dwindle. Doctor, is that what he's going by these days? Doctor Dwindle, something DS. Well, assuming he's even alive, I'll have to check in and give him a fair pay. He was being paid. He's a swindler. Well, yes, dear. That's the nature of the work here. Ugh. Fine. What so, do you want it to do? Yes. Yeah, so what? <clears throat> what's going on here? It seems like. You guys are being pretty secretive. It seems like there's some sort of or under underground organization going on here. What what exactly do you do? Because as far as I can tell, it's a lot more than just running this brothel. <laughs> yes, I have various dealings. One of which includes also the protection of quite a few folk here. <clears throat> Excuse me if I say so, but the malicious, it's incompetent. The original proprietor of this town did quite a good job at making sure that there was no real legitimate figures who could get much done. Mr. Akron. Yes, Mr. Akron. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I would say that it was wonderful when he disappeared. When he disappeared, that things became a lot easier to work. Ah, the politicians here, they're corrupt as always they are, and... Uh, well, Mr. Akron, he was more tyrant than anything. And he tried to crush me and my business many times, and we survived and thrived. When he left, I thought, there goes. Now is the time to build my little empire. Politicians at the House of the Roses started lobbying to try and join the Federation, and that's when the trouble began. So, it appears that you're against... Federation. I'm neither for nor against. There is things to be gained from membership or not gained from not being a member. What more is an issue are those that 
say that they still follow the dictates of Mr. Akron. And she then starts to kind of flip through some notes that she has. She goes, I've been doing a bit of research, and <laughs> as you can tell, and she kicks the puddle of blood, spraying it to the side. These creatures, they've been what started off as just one thing became another and another. We started wondering what was going on, as so they are obviously not native, not they're fabricated, of course, with technomancy, and we even began looking into, as bodies are cremated here, not buried, where they were even coming from. That's when we started learning about the disappearances. Not just disappearances of live folk, but disappearances of bodies sent for the cremation. Funny thing is, as I've sent a few folk to take care of it, uh, and get information, we've found out that the Council of the Dictates, they sit on the board that controls the crematorium and the movement of bodies, and that they speak of signs. Signs that suggest Mr. Akram will return. Six signs. Or six of them. Yes, exactly. Yes. Six signs. What are they? I only know the first two. The first is that the dead will rise and that they will try to bring out Mr. Akram's will. If you look at the main areas these creatures have attacked, they are all institutions that have not been in line with what Mr. Akron would have wanted, save for tonight, of course. Never before in this past month have they attacked so many people or things. This makes me believe that one, prophecies are bogus. I do not believe in them, but someone is using this to their own ends. Two, that Mr. Akram will reveal himself as someone else than he was. Those are the two signs that I know. In revealing mm -hmm. himself as someone other than who he was, is it like possessing someone? Or is it a new body? What does this mean? To be completely honest with you, I don't know. Okay. It sounds like to me somebody might be using this fear of <clears throat> this old leader and the fear of these signs to uh, try to come in and take this place out from under you. Whether all of this be real or not, something something's going on out there. Somebody's pushing all this to happen. I would agree. I would also... <clears throat> notice that those who prophesize of these six signs, those who seem to follow it the most are those who follow the dictates. Those who follow that political class that enclave. I would like them 
investigate it if you are still up for a job. Well? Are they here? Do you know where we can find these people? Oh, yes. Great. They live here. They uh, are not allowed the to move elsewhere. <laughs> no. In the city, Laxadon. You said here. Taking you literally. She kind of lets out a sigh, just long exasperation. She goes, mm, No. The House of Roses. That is where the political leaders live. They live in a close quarters. It is supposed to be, into Mr. Akram's will, a way of showing unity amongst different decisions. But it ends in petty squabbling and people not going home ever from their woes for the day. Okay. You see, I run black market trades. I run trades of things and people, and it is a bit of an open secret. I have enough people around me that the house would never dare act openly against me. That being said, they go awfully out of their way to stop me from getting what I need done if it involves investigating them or following up with them. And she says, I'm sure you noticed not a single member of the militia showed up to protect this establishment. I hate to say it, but I'm the reason. And yet it is still the militia's job to protect those here who are have nothing to do with me except coming here. Just to confirm that we're on the same page, what you're saying is that the House of Rosen is the political leaders. And what I've gathered is they are trying to make a connection with the Federation or join the Federation. But what you're also saying is that Mr. Akram is involved with the House of Rosen. Mr. Akram set up. Akram did not want to join the Federation initially, so I'm a little confused as to how these two um, are combined. She leans in and she goes, no, Mr. Akram started the House of Roses. They were originally leaders of his, let's just say, cults, those who would deliver the words. And now, with his absence, they've devolved into a political class. (laughs) I forget that you're not from here, so I have not made myself as clear as I could be, and she brushes some of her halfling uh, curly blonde hair around the back of her ear and she breathes deeply and uh, goes to the side of the wall and starts pulling off some knives and setting them onto the table and it seemed like like a habit just like sharpening the side of it and kind of playing like almost like cathartic like I think Atlas you probably understand this quite a bit Um, she goes no the the trouble started when the two political classes started clashing on whether they would join the Federation or not. That is when I first heard of these six signs. As far as I know, they did not exist until the elected leader of the affirmed tried to fight to join the Federation. And when they did that, the leaders of the dictates 
said that this was not possible, as it went against Mr. Ackerman's will, and Mr. Ackerman will return with the six signs. The six signs being, and she motions upward to the door where all of that uh, commotion occurred and the destruction and death. And She goes, and I can't help but think that they're connected. That is fair. What do you know of someone named the Sunmaker? Scratches her head and she goes, I know that he and Mr. Akram are one and the same. What does that mean, one and the same? Like they're the same person? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Now, seems like you got a lot of a lot of troubles on your on your plate at the moment. I'm assuming at some point or another you've sent some of your other men to try to go investigate these these dictates. Am I, am I right? Aye. Has it, have they learned anything, or has anybody come back with you come back to you with anything substantial that uh, might be able to help us out? <laughs> Actually, yes, indeed that they have, and. Uh, she stands up, starts kind of pacing back and forth with her hands behind her back. And she says, there, we begin with like short investigations. Ultimately, we came up with all the information I already shared with you. Then we resorted to abducting and forcing information out. Hence the uh, dark pools of questionable liquid on the floor. <laughs> uh Yes. Hence the dark pools of questionable liquids on the floor. Ah, you, you understand the job well, don't you? I have I have been around yeah I've been around quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah. Well Northwardly to the mountains <sighs> My men came upon the leader uh information flowing cordially that the leader of the House of Dictates was involved in affairs with many of these bodies that seem to have gone missing. He directly owns the crematorium and even though he claims that they just went missing, seems to have information otherwise. So we started following him. He grew the wiser to it. He's set clever traps indeed. And one of my men came back dead. Again, there was nothing that we could pull to point to the leader. So instead we started following him. And in the mountains up north, there's a crevasse. He goes there regularly. Always under the veil of nights. Have you sent somebody out that way before? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they returned. Dead, I'm assuming? <laughs> no, alive. But unaf- not willing to go any uh, further. They 
said that what they witnessed was not of this world. They described a temple, a ground hollowed that took their breath away. And as they descended further into this temple, following the leader of the house, they started noticing facades of an ancient culture. She looks over at McKenna and says, Loxodonian in nature. Interesting. Well, I do believe we found out where we needed to go. I believe you're right. Now, one, one last question for me. The, uh, these bodies, these disappearing bodies, we assume are somewhat related to this political class that dictates. Mm-hmm. And these zombie-type creatures, this isn't the first time they've attacked. Maybe this close to the city, but this isn't the first time that they've come up, I'm assuming. No, we started joining, trying to join the Federation. We, as in the House of Roses, about a month ago. And it started corresponding the attacks with that. Now, have have any of the political classes come out and said anything about these attacks? Hmm. That you should call the militia. That you should hide. That you should be not traveling out at night alone. And that they would take care of it. The House of the Elected, they say that it is... Members of Mr. Akram's cult trying to stop them from joining the Federation, saying that this is not what he wanted. Those who belong to the House of Dictates, they say that the closest of the family are dead, of course. And they offer themselves. What do you think? What do I think? I think that the family is not gone. I think that the family is closely tied to the House of Dictates. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is proof to be had. Let me tell you about the leader of the House of Dictates. Why don't I? And uh, she starts to, again, pull up more information until eventually she finds what appears to be a... Uh, a gray that has these big bulbous eyes hard it's they're pretty like asexual you can't really tell uh where they stand and she goes this is speaker holst take a good look you'll know her by her eyes you can see that the eyes which denotes the differences in grays is purple and long slits and she says speaker holst it's uh We tore the place apart, their home. We looked for anything that would incriminate them. And the closest that we could get to finding something was this. And she holds up out of her pocket a pendant with the sun emblazoned on the end of it. And she throws it to the ground. And she goes, It was Mr. Ackerman himself who would wear something like this. It was Mr. Ackerman himself who claim this to be the family symbol. And it is the family, according to those that we have uh, procured information from and 
friendly negotiations. It's the family that believes in the coming of these signs. Consider me maybe old-fashioned in this, but I think that when something like this is happening, it's always happening at the highest level. If you can bring the proof, I have no problem killing this person. But I am not a killer myself. And I will not bring my own justice without proof first. Mm-hmm. And what better than having outsiders who have no connection to me to look into it? Well, man, well, if you want us to start looking into this, I do believe we're going to need a little bit of compensation. Seems like pretty dangerous work we're getting ourselves into. And she sweeps her eyes to you, Clive, and to Atlas and says, Compensation. That can be arranged. And uh, how much are you thinking? What are your services worth? Mm. Well, I'm personally looking for a little bit of information. Maybe maybe we could do a little trade on that respect. That we can do. I have many networks from here to many of the main core worlds. And, you know, quite possibly when, when we're ready to leave this, this colony, maybe you have some way to procure some transport for us. Yes. That's easy enough. Well, well. Does he speak for all of you? Atlas, what are your thoughts on this? Say the only thing that Elsa said I'd want is when we do get proof, or if we do ever have to confront the Sunmaker that I would like your guys' help with capturing him or taking him down. Are you talking to us? No, I'm talking to the... Uh, I have it written down somewhere. Jayla? Lyra. Dear. Yeah. <laughs> if the Sunmaker is alive, of course... I like him gone, and I didn't realize that until he was. So yes, but I'm not a believer in prophecies. I don't think he's walking this earth again. Hmm. It would be unfortunate. I... I would like to be paid. I mean, it'd be great to get a ride off of here as well, but some kind of money would be wonderful. Make a charisma roll. Literally first roll of this game. Fifteen. Okay. She goes, she nods and she goes, I like someone who knows their worth. Mm. That's part of my hiring process. And she goes, yeah, I think so. That's doable. And what would you think this is worth? (sighs) For an information gathering mission, for one who is probably quite acquainted with Loxodonian culture. I think that this is a bit of a cakewalk for you. So I would say 700 credits 
I don't think this is just going to be an informational mission, though, my friend. I think this is going to get um, violent very quickly. And so to expect this just to be informational is quite rude, first of all. Second of all, to think this is going to be a cakewalk because of the my race is rude. And so I would go as far as a thousand. Go to make a persuasion roll. Thirteen. I do like someone who knows their worth. A thousand credits it is. Thank you. I was prepared to pay you fifteen hundred. <laughs> a thousand. Before we leave, yeah. Before we leave, um, I'm gonna ask her because she did mention like the prophecies or anything. Is like, is there anything in the prophecies that tells you, I um, has said what the Sunmaker actually looks like? Honestly, I only know those first two. Now, from talking to our acquaintance, those who belong to the elected leader, Holst, their inner circle, they seem to know the most. We are in the process of procuring another informational source, but the inner circle is hard to breach. If you think you can get it, you'll probably be able to do it faster than me, as I am a very careful woman. One more question. There was a patron in your bar tonight. Her name was Aphid. She was an elf. She was sitting at the middle of the bar, right-hand side table, looking very hesitant and nervous. And I do believe she was very much on the inner circle. Do you know how we might contact her? Hmm. She thinks about it. She goes... She starts to ask you questions and get the description of this person. I don't know if I've ever heard of this person. Let me check. She's let a me, family member. Let me. Let, of this cult. A family member, you say? Yes. In my bar, without my knowledge. Yes. Fascinating. She starts to pull up the data pad information looking at the camera array within you guys watch the replay of this attack in slow motion you watch as atlas just disintegrates a hole in the wall and that's when she kind of like says it's a good shot but the wall <laughs> um and she pulls up the data pad for you to see she goes you tell me you were talking to this aphid there's no one it's just you mckenna sitting talking to no one Oof. I need you to make everyone here make a perception roll. Twelve. What is with it? Four. That's one. Yeah. Twenty. No. Clive, you catch this one like half second of a glitch in the chair where Aphid was, where McKenna claims. And it looks almost like a body real quick, but it's just like, and it's like nothing. Hold hold the video there real quick. She goes back a bunch of times trying to catch it and finally gets it stuck on the glitch at your recommendation. And I need you to make an insight check on it, Clive. What? Fifteen. You look at it, it's 
a strange silhouette. And as you kind of like start to zoom in more, you can make out a pattern. And you realize that you're going to need to potentially get into the coding of the data pad. Can Thyra see this as well? Thyra's looking at it and she just kind of like has her palm over the over her mouth, just stroking her chin and just like Interesting. Interesting. McKenna, what what more can you tell us about this this figure that you were talking to? She was an elf. She was very, very thin. She um pale. She had the necklace, the golden sun necklace. The the sign of the, the sunmaker? Yes. She and she claimed that Ag- or Akram gave it to her and then I was very rude and I tried to hack her neural link and it failed. And then that's when you probably see me almost hitting my head on the table. And she quotes over and over again. I'm always under his protection. And this is the first sign upon us. Oh man. Already will. And then you tell us of the signs. The dead will rise to fulfill his will. And this is the first sign. And well, if the second is to reveal himself as someone other than who he was, then it, it, it is questionable. It is quite strange that all of this seemed to happen when this, this patron that you've never seen comes into your bar and then we go back and she's basically not even there. Maybe... Maybe can you she... get into the database, Clive? Yeah, I can I can try to dig a little deeper, see if I can find anything. Thyra, are you okay with all this? Yeah. I mean this is this is creepy. And I here, and she hands you the data pad for you to try and like interface into. Okay, well I'm gonna I'd also like to try if this fails. Uh speed ten. Alright, you start working your way in, you're, you're able to dig a little bit deeper down, but you're only getting back snippets of coding. Coding that is kind of like garbled and doesn't seem to make all that much sense. McKenna, since you're helping, I want you to now roll the same. 19. Okay. With, uh, with Clive first recognizing the layer of coding, you start to dig in and what you find is that it seems like this person this image is been imprinted upon the camera that there are like almost trace fingerprints of a strange code So this person was a code. Interesting, interesting. So, with what you're telling me, like... I've worked with... I mean, I I myself have worked with a lot of machinery before, but I've never seen... I've never seen something like a code actually manifesting itself as a a being. And you said you talked to her? Like, she actually spoke? Yeah. 
she was awkward and kind of hesitant looking and looking out the window and back at me, but she was there. I could touch her. And you said you tried, you attempted to hack into her interface. I did. It wasn't very nice. But how could you have hacked into her interface? If I she couldn't hack into her interface. There. I mean, I was hit with a huge firewall. I did. Um, Which means you, if you were hit with a firewall, there must have been something there yeah. for you to attempt to interface. Yeah. Unless. No, no, no. Oh, what, no. Well, what is it? I mean, we got nothing here. Uh, I mean, is it possible that your interface was your Neuralink interface was hacked? Oh. That would mean that there was somebody else here in the bar that had access to her. How do I? Maybe this. How do you know if you're in her? If you're. Neuralink is hacked? Well, depends on how... You're going to need to go back through your own coding. Okay, well. I want you to go and make an interface unit with your Neuralink. Oops. 23. McKenna, you replay through all of the memories. You start kind of like fine-tooth combing through them. From the moment you guys walked into the bar of the Lonely Chord you don't find anything as you're going through the whole thing then you go back and replay it because everything kind of running backwards you you move it further out to when you're approaching it it was hot you don't find it again you move it further back then you rush forward trying to like trying your best to find it and then there's just a small snippet a small clue that you catch on to. When you first walked up the Lonely Cord, you were met by the true brothel robots. Upon looking at your Neuralink, there is a moment where when you speak with the first one, the first uh, robot, there's a brief buzz in your interaction with them. And then it disappears. And shortly after that, you see a woman. You go back, you replay that one more time. And you see that the robot, seconds before the robot makes eye contact with you, it is no robot. It is a young male. You can only tell he's a male because he has a beard, hooded, um, and he's just, as you're walking up, sweeps your memories and sweeps and looks straight at you, and suddenly that fuzz happens and he turns into the robot that you interact with. Um, I feel very shocked by this. Um, how, can I tell how far he saw in my memories? You, that why don't you make an intelligence roll? A that one. 
you have no idea how much information he could have gotten out of you. But what you do gather is that he somehow changed himself to appear as as a robot. And assuming that Clive and Atlas saw the robot as well, he did the same to all of you. In a stunning feat of hackery. I'm telling them all of this. Um, and also telling them that dependent on how far back in my memories that he got, we could be in grave danger. Well, what do you mean? What do you... What do you know that he might have been able to pick up on? This Sunmaker was a dear friend of mine. Um, Mr. Akram was a dear friend of mine. And... (laughs) I heard that pen. (laughs) Was a dear friend. Um, And amongst our time as friends... He and I and another friend um, did things that I'm not proud of. And I have left behind, but it seems as though Mr. Akram or the Sunmaker or I know his real name, which I will keep private, um, may have gone down an even darker path than what I thought possible I thought he was leaving the things we've done behind but I think he may have twisted it further or if Mr. Akram has truly come back in a new body maybe he possessed my dear friend and I can only hope that is the case and that he has not actually become this person that that he is said to become Wow, that's a that's a bit eye opening there. I'm not even I'm not even sure how to respond to that. I was not sure how to say it. It's like, yeah. So you were close with him. Extraordinarily close. He was he was my greatest friend. Now, this this family that he's... I know nothing about this. So that was after you guys had split. Yes. And you left because... Because... My daughter was murdered. Okay. Was it, was it Akram? No. Nope. He was gone prior to my daughter's murder, um, which is, I had hope, um, that he was not who I thought he was because I thought he left and I was going to search out why he left, what was going on. Um, when we were in the train station or subway or whatever they call it these days and we saw the face um, of that person that turned me into a ghost. That is the man who killed my daughter. 
And my fear is that he is here on Thela Colony. And if he is here, we are all in grave danger. What kind of danger are we talking about? What is he capable of? A better question is, what is he not capable of? Atlas, do you have anything to say about any of this? Um, for one, it would probably have been more helpful if we knew beforehand. Well, how do you uh, tell someone this? Well, it is in, not... in her defense, we all we haven't all been quite open with each other up until this point. So, it's true. This just seems the Sunmakers played a big part in what's been going on recently. Although I am curious, did you know the whole time where we were supposed to go? No. Uh, I think we're going to have to revisit that a little later. (laughs) Yeah, I'm an inside tracker. Right now we need to figure out how we're going to approach this. Because I feel like one sign has already popped up we don't have long to go before these things start to continue. Yeah. That's true. And she's standing next to Atlas, kind of going through her data pad while mostly McKenna and Clive are talking. She's like scouring through it with you, Atlas, because she's taking the information McKenna gave her about wanting her robots not being real and just like not believing it. She's like, okay. Like, as Clive, you say something, she's just kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Atlas, you watch as from her video server there is uh she she finally finds where a man hooded walks up and takes the place next to the robot server and then even her cameras change itself also to make it look like one of the bots she closes in on the face a couple times trying to get it to distinguish. And can you make a perception check, Atlas? Yeah. Three. It is. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I, I know I can't really, I can't really make it out myself. I need to know who this, who the hell is this man? And just as she says that, you hear footsteps just, coo, 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 coo. they're running straight down. Uh, you all kind of look up just as the door slams open with a boom and you see three figures all of them Thyra they're dead who's dead what are you talking about the house of roses there's been an explosion the opposition they were all killed do you not? They were all. And she's. I understand. I understand. And uh, I think that's probably where we want to start to call it. I was starting to get goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> Finding out what's gonna happen. Fine. <laughs> I guess it's over. All right, guys. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. See you later. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe, 
for early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. Thank you.